الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين آمنوا أشد حبا لله سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم It's purely the blessing the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we're all here today It's obviously a holiday and there are perhaps a hundred other places that we could be right now but everyone that's here chose to be here because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had opened up their hearts for something that would be a benefit to them When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants good for someone, He brings them into righteous gatherings. He introduces them to the tradition of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And He gives them the opportunity to submit themselves to this deen. And when He gives us these opportunities, we should thank Him. We should appreciate the opportunity and recognize that this may be the only opportunity we have. Recognize this may be the only opportunity that we have. And the topic that we are going to cover for the next several hours is on the importance of purifying the heart, rectifying the soul, and developing a long-lasting relationship with Allah Ta'ala. And the reality is that this is a requirement for every single believer. This is a requirement for all of us. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says in the Qur'an, يَوْمَ لَا يَنْفَعُ مَالٌ وَلَا بَنُونَ that there'll come a day, it'll be a difficult day, the day of judgment, in which our wealth, nor our children, yani our relationships, will be of any benefit to us. No benefit to us. Except what will be of benefit, that individual that brings to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a pure and purified heart. A pure and purified heart. So, Nowadays, it's very rare that we'll find these sorts of gatherings where we actually discuss how to rectify our lives such that we can become muqarrab or muqarrabin or people that are close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so when Allah ta'ala gives us this opportunity, we have to thank Him and appreciate it. We have to thank Him for it. And the best way to thank it is to, number one, correct our intention when we begin to study it and when we begin to learn it. Rectify our intention. So if we were here for some other purpose, because someone else told us that this would be something that would be interesting. If our reason to come was because, you know what, I had a day off and there's nothing else for me to do. Then we have the opportunity now, as we begin, to correct that. Our intention should actually be that, Ya Allah, your Qur'an instructed us that a principal duty of the believer is that they rectify their hearts and, and purify their souls and become close to you. And Ya Allah, I am here desiring that today. Please give it to me. If a believer starts off with that intention, then inshallah they'll receive it. They'll receive it as well. So number one, we have to be thankful and we have to be appreciative. And number two, we have to work toward implementing whatever we learn today. We have to work toward learning whatever we implement today. 
Now, the reality is that this is because people, everyone had to register and because um, you had to think about, am I going to be able to create time? The level of interest is there. Now it's up to us to absorb whatever's here and inshallah take that home and practice it with us when we leave as well. We'll start with the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in which many of us have probably heard. So the hadith that we're going to cover is a very famous hadith and it highlights what we are gathered here for today. And it's a hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ, hadith, uh, in which the Prophet ﷺ, um, uh, sorry, it's a hadith that's known as Hadith Jibreel. Many of you have heard of this hadith. It's actually the hadith that's taught if someone were to study in, in, in an Islamic institution and they were to study hadith, the teachings of the, the sayings of the Prophet ﷺ. And this is often one of the first this hadith that are actually taught and covered. The Prophet ﷺ said, or, or, or it is related by Umar ibn Khattab anhu. He says, عن Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. قال بينما نحن جلوس عند رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم when we were sitting in the company of the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم ذات يوم one day so one day the, the companions عمر رضي الله عنه عمر الخطاب whom we all know was sitting in the company of the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم amongst a few other companions إذ طلع علينا رجل شديد بياض الثياب شديد سواد الشعر and a man came upon them, and that man was wearing shadidu uh, bayad thiabi, you know, jet white or, 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 or very white clothes, a very white, very white clothes, shadidu sawad shari, and jet black hair, jet black hair. لا يرى عليه أثر السفر ولا يعرفه منا أحد. So this person had come, he was a strange person to them. The companions, when somebody new would come, they would be able to pick it up right away. So this person, this man had come into the gathering of the Prophet ﷺ, and he looked like somebody who was completely new. He was wearing pure white, pristine, like, you know, just bleached or just dry clean, white clothing. He had jet black hair. And, لا يرى عليه أثر السفر so this part's narrated, which means that there is no effect of travel on him. There was no effect of travel on him. So back in that time, when people would travel long distances, it's not like today where you, you know, get in a car and you're from here to uh, you know, Chicago in five hours, and you, sometimes you can hardly tell if the person was traveling or not. But in those days, when a person would travel a long distance, or in general, if they were just a traveler, then there would be some signs of traveling on that person, whether it be that their clothes would look a little disheveled, their hair would look like it was unkept. But this person had pure white clothing, he had jet black hair, and he didn't have any effects of, of traveler on him. And none of us knew who this person was. None of us knew who this person was. Until he came and he sat in the company of the Prophet فَأَسْنَدَ رُتْبَتَيْهِ إِلَىٰ رُتْبَتَيْهِ وَوَضَعَ كَفَّيْهِ عَلَىٰ فَخِذَيْهِ So, and then he came and he sat with his knees, against the knees of the Prophet ﷺ. So he was sitting, you know, kind of like this, like in the tashahud position. And so the Prophet ﷺ was sitting here, رُتْبَتَيْهِ إِلَىٰ رُتْبَتَيْهِ وَوَضَعَ كَفَّيْهِ عَلَىٰ فَخِذَيْهِ And he placed his hands on his, on his thighs, like this. This man had come to the Prophet ﷺ, and he, took his, he sat right in front of him, and he placed his hands on his thighs like this. Now, it's unclear from the, uh, from the hadith if his hands were on his own thighs, or if they were on the thighs of the Prophet ﷺ. And then he said, وَقَالْ He said, the man said, 
يا محمد او محمد اخبرني عن الاسلام اخبرني عن الاسلام tell me the news about islam what's the, what is this islam that, that, what is islam about what is it so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم said الاسلام islam is أن تشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمد رسول الله. It is number one to testify to bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah. And Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is a messenger of Allah. وتقيم الصلاة and the establishment of prayer. وتؤتي الزكاة and the giving of charity. وتصوم رمضان and to fast during the month of Ramadan. وتحج البيت and number five, to perform the hajj if one is able to do so. So the Prophet ﷺ, so this is sort of, imagine the scene now. You have the Prophet ﷺ sitting with the companions and a man comes in who they don't know who it is. And he looks very unique in his appearance. And he comes and he sits right in front of the Prophet ﷺ. And then he asks the Prophet ﷺ, what is Islam? What is Islam? So the Prophet ﷺ then says five things, the five pillars of Islam, right? This is one hadith that we get these five pillars from. There's another one, Buni al-Islam, ala khamsin. But this is another hadith that we know that these are the core fundamental principles of this deen. To believe in Allah and His Messenger, to establish the salah, to give charity, to uh, fast in the month of Ramadan, and then to perform the hajj. قال, and then the man said, Sadaqta. Sadaqta. The man said to the Prophet Sadaqta, you are telling the truth. What you are saying is the truth. فَعَجِبْنَا لَهُ يَسْأَلُهُ وَيُصَدِّقُهُ so Umar bin Khattab ta'ala anhu says, فَعَجِبْنَا لَهُ We became confused, we were bewildered. That this person comes, who we don't know who he is, he asks a question, and then after asking the question, he affirms that what the answer was from the Prophet ﷺ was actually correct. Very strange. So then the man says, قَالْ He continues, he goes, فَأَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ الْإِيمَانِ so teach me about, or tell me the news about what Iman is. So on one level he's asking, what is Islam? And now he's asking, أَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ iman. Making sure you're listening. أَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ iman. He's asking, tell me about what Iman is. So the Prophet ﷺ then responds, he says, قَالْ أَن تُؤْمِنَ بِاللَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَكُتُبِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَالْقَدْرِ خَيْرِهِ وَشَرِّهِ the Prophet ﷺ responds, Iman or faith is to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His angels, His books, His messengers, the day of judgment. And to believe in faith, whether it's good or bad. The six pillars of Iman the Prophet ﷺ is establishing in this hadith. So you can see how important this hadith is so far. So far we've defined all of Islam. Right? We, we always get asked the question, what is Islam? We've defined what Islam is. And then perhaps we would deem to be the next most important thing in this sequence is Iman. And so the Prophet ﷺ in the same hadith, in the same setting with this person and the Sahaba around listening, is identifying or defining what Iman, what it means to have true belief in this deen. And it is to believe in these six things. The Prophet, then the man said, who was asking this to the Prophet, said, Sadaqta. Sadaqta. Again, he says, you're speaking the truth. And so, the man continues and he asked the question, فَأَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ الْإِحْسَانِ فَأَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ الْإِحْسَانِ 
So teach me, tell me, give me the news about what Ihsan is. What Ihsan is. We talked about Islam. We've talked about Iman. Now this person's asking all asking the Prophet in front of all the companions that are witness and all of us 1400 years later now listening or listening to this encounter. And he's asking, what is Ihsan? The Prophet says, It is, Ihsan is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if you see Allah. As if you see Allah to worship Allah ta'ala. And if you are unable to reach that level of ihsan, such that when you are worshipping Allah, you are perceiving Allah Ta'ala being present right before you. If you aren't able to get to that point, then at least to know that He is watching you. So number one, to worship Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala as if you see Him, you perceive Allah Ta'ala. But if you aren't able to get there, if you aren't able to do that, if you can't see Him, then at least to worship Allah as if Allah Ta'ala Himself sees you. Allah Ta'ala Himself sees you. So then the person continues to ask a series of questions. He asks about Amaratiha. Uh, uh, he asks all of these things. And then he leaves. And the Prophet then looks at Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he asked Umar radiallahu anhu, قال, Ya Umar, atadri man is-sa'il? Do you know who this questioner was? Do you know who this questioner was? The person who came and first asked about Islam, then asked about Iman, and then ultimately asked about Ihsan. So the, uh, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, Qultu, Allahu wa rasuluhu a'lam. Allah and His Messenger know best. This was the attitude of the companions. We'll defer to you, O Messenger of Allah. We'll defer to Allah. We'll defer to you, O Messenger of Allah. The Prophet said, قَالْ فَإِنَّهُ جِبْرِيلٌ أَتَاكُمْ يُعَلِّمُكُمْ دِينَكُمْ That this, he's telling uh, Umar radiallahu anhu, that verily this individual, this man was Jibreel alayhi salam, the angel that would bring wahi to the prophets. Why did he come? Why did he come? يُعَلِّمُكُمْ دِينَكُمْ To teach all of you your deen. The basic tenets of your deen, and then the next group of tenets of your deen, and then the pinnacle or perfection of your deen. The angel Jibreel came to teach you this. Our focus today is on Ihsan. What is Ihsan? Literally, Ihsan in the Arabic language, if you, if you uh, break it down, it comes from the word, uh, the, the root letters, Ha, Seen, and Noon. Ahsana Yuhsinu, which is a fourth verb form. Ahsana Yuhsinu, Ihsanan. Fahuwa? Muhsinun. So, ahsana yuhsinu ihsan. This is the masdar, which means to make something excellent. To make something excellent. So, the angel Jibreel is asking the Prophet, how is it that you make your deen excellent? How is it that you make it, or at least try to reach perfection in your deen? How do you try to make that perfect? Or what is it, what does it mean when a person has established ihsan in their life? Or brought ihsan in their life. And the Prophet says so beautifully, a lesson for all of us. And this is sort of the theme of what we're going to talk about. And inshallah, hope to achieve over the course of, you know, maybe several years or several months or maybe the course of our life. Is that we reach a state in which we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if we are seeing Allah. As if we are seeing Allah. And if we are unable to reach that state, then at least as if Allah ta'ala sees us. 
That's the pinnacle of this deen, and that's the goal of all of us. The reality is, when it comes to excellence, we seek to excel in everything. We seek to excel in everything. As a child, our parents are pushing us toward getting A's, and getting A's, and A+, plus, 100%. You have to do well, you have to do well, you have to do well. Because intellectually, academically, they want you to excel. They want you to go to a good school, then go to a good high school, and then go to a good university, and then land in a good job, and then do all of these things, because the, the intent is excellence in this. Someone steps on the basketball court. Their intent is what? To excel. Right? No one's getting on the court so that they can you know, turn over the ball every time they touch it. Their idea is to try to be their best that they can. And the people that seek excellence in this then end up going to collegiate sports and playing professional sports and competing across the world. The desire of every human being is to excel in whatever it is that they've committed themselves to. Whatever they've committed themselves to. If their commitment is to become a lawyer, then the desire of the human being is to excel in becoming a lawyer, becoming the best lawyer possible. If the commitment of a human being is to be the best spouse or best husband, then, then they have to work toward excelling in that. It can't be that they're just content with that little bit. They made the commitment and they're content with, 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 the, with the baseline, with the bottom level. Same with our deen. And there's no greater commitment that we've ever made than we've, than, than we've made with our deen. We've committed to this deen by saying with our tongues and through our hearts, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, that there is no one worthy of worship but Allah. What does that mean? Muhammadur Rasulullah and the Prophet is the Messenger of Allah. By taking that on our tongue, we've committed ourselves to this deen. And if we want to excel in this deen, then we have to reach a state such that when we worship Allah, when we pray our salah, when we recite the Quran, when we interact with people, that it is, when we are um, uh, when we are doing the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we should reach a state such that it's as if we perceive that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always watching us that's what ihsan is and that's what it means to excel in this deen that's what it means to excel in this deen to reach that state of purity where you are able to perceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your worship now for the vast majority of us if we think about the quality of our worship we can say pretty comfortably that it's subpar. The moment we tie our hands together for salah, we're waiting for the imam to finish the salah. Or even if we pray on our own, we're just waiting, we're, we're timing ourselves. Right? If somebody sends us a text message and our phone vibrates, then we'll rush to finish that salah. We're looking for an excuse to get out as quick as we can. When we take the Qur'an off the shelf, and we sit down to recite the Qur'an, let's say we're in the masjid, then we are waiting for the time that we can put it right back on the shelf. We're waiting to close the Qur'an. We're waiting. We're waiting to close the Qur'an. You know, God forbid if, someone, if so, you, know, you were to go to someone's house and they said, oh, welcome to our home. We wanted to spend an hour reciting the Qur'an together just for the barakah. You'd be thinking, man, why did I come here? What was I thinking? You know, what did I end up? What was I thinking? Right, this is sort of our state. That when it comes to interacting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that level, our hearts have become such that we are dis- we, that we are, that we prefer to stay away from it. And if we do enter into it, we, pr- we prefer to end it as soon as possible. But this wasn't the state of the Sahaba, radiallahu ta'ala anhum. This was, certainly wasn't the state of the, of the Sahaba, this wasn't the state of the Tabi'een, the Tabi' Tabi'een, the people that came after them. Their desire, their goal was to excel in this deen. They weren't content with where they were in their deen, and they were in particular were not content where they were in their relationship with Allah. Their goal was to always move up and move up and move up. And take the next step to Allah, and then the next step to Allah, and the next step to Allah, such that they would reach a state where all they could think about was Allah. 
All they could think about was Allah. And that should be our goal as well. Excellence in deen is when we reach a state in which we envision Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always watching us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always watching us. It's difficult to get there, but it's doable. The Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum, they, when they would engage in salah, they would start praying the Isha prayer. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha says that when she would, she, she would pray qiyam through the night from Isha prayer until the Fajr prayer and the Fajr prayer would come in and she would say, I wish that the night were longer so that I would be able to continue to engage in this beautiful conversation with my Lord. In this beautiful conversation with my Lord. The Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum would pick up the Qur'an, they'd, they'd, they'd take it off, they'd begin reciting the Qur'an and they would recite it for hours and hours and hours and they wouldn't be tired of it. Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah, it comes in narration that in one, that in one raka'ah he would recite the entire Qur'an. The entire Qur'an. These are the pious people that had come before us. They weren't content with their state. They weren't content with their state. And unfortunately today we've become content with our own state and our relationship with Allah. If we reflect at our lives and think about who we are, what we've become, you know, what we had in mind and what we ended up becoming, and compare it to what we should be, and we become reflective about this, then we would see that we're far from that goal. We would see that we, were, that we are far from that goal. When we have a hard time waking up for the Fajr prayer, for instance, right? We know that the Fajr prayer is such an important prayer, and yet we miss it time and time and time again. Time and time again we miss it. Or even better yet, for those that are consistent with Fajr prayer, the Tahajjud prayer, the prayer, the pre-dawn prayer before the Fajr prayer. We know how important this prayer is. We've heard about it from the Prophet We've heard about it. We've seen the Sahaba doing this. Not None of the ulama of the, of the previous time, or the Salaf al-Salih, the people of piety, from centuries before, none of them would miss the Tahajjud prayer because they knew how valuable of a time it was. And yet, we've spent years and years and years just sleeping through it. Years and years sleeping through the Tahajjud prayer. Not even thinking, you know, will there come a day when I'll actually be able to stand up and raise the great name of my Lord and ask from Him in that special portion of the night? In that special portion of the night? You know, when we recite the Qur'an and we think, what is our relationship with the Qur'an? How inconsistent have we become with our Qur'an? When we recite the Qur'an, are we the type of people that as soon as we take it off the shelf, we look at it for a few minutes and we put it right back? Or, you know, we, 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 we don't want to even, um, we, we never want to attend gatherings where Qur'an is recited. If we've become those sorts of people, if we've become those sorts of people, then we have to think, we certainly aren't achieving ihsan in our deen, we aren't excelling in our deen. And the, the, the issue is, that on the day of judgment, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us, that you sought excellence in everything else that you had done. You had sought excellence in everything else that you done. But when you came to your deen, you were okay with mediocrity. What answer will we have for Allah? What answer will we have for Allah? When He says, you were okay, you were satisfied, you were content with mediocrity in your deen. You were content and satisfied with baseline of your deen. You know, following a sunnah from time to time, praying when you're able to, but not necessarily coming to the masjid, you know, every now and then if you were able to. You were excelling and trying to achieve excellence when it came to your academics, when it came to your work, when it came to your school, when it came to everything else, when it came to your sports, when it came to your cooking, when it came to uh, all of these things. You were trying to excel. 
But when it came time to establishing and solidifying and perfecting your relationship with me, what happened? What, where were your priorities? What were you thinking? That moment will come. And unless we make it a point that in this world, in our life, before we pass away, we develop a deep, lasting, and loving relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we'll be in trouble. We have to work toward this. We have to work toward this. The Prophet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا And another place, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ تَزَكَّاهَا when he says قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath before this. وَالشَّمْسِ وَضُحَاهَا وَالْقَمَرِ إِذَا تَلَاهَا وَالنَّهَارِ إِذَا جَلَّاهَا وَالْلَيْلِ إِذَا يَغْشَاهَا وَالسَّمَاءِ وَمَا بَنَاهَا وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا طَحَاهَا وَنَفْسٍ وَمَا سَوَّاهَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears in seven verses. Now when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to say something to us, this is Allah. He is the master of the universe. He created every single one of us. He's giving us the, the air to breathe at this very moment. He's giving us, he gave us food this morning and, and, and He gave us food this afternoon. He's giving us insight, intellect, the ability to see, the ability to hear, the ability to speak, the ability to sit here today. Everything is from Allah. When Allah Ta'ala says something, there's no need for Allah Ta'ala to swear by it. There's no need. Why would there be a need for Allah to swear by something? By, I swear by this and by this and by this that this is true. A person will do that if they have to make an emphasis that listen, listen to me. I swear by this, I swear by that. But you have to listen to what I'm going to say. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need to swear. But when He does, it tells us to open up our ears and listen. Look, I have something very important to tell you. Very important to tell you. Open up your ears, listen. And what, are, what is it that after seven verses of swearing and taking qasam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us what? قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا that the successful person is he who had purified himself or herself. He who had purified himself or herself. He swears by the sun, he swears by the moon, he, he swears by the day, and all of these things to tell us that if we want to be successful in this world, and most certainly in the hereafter, then we have to rectify and purify our hearts and our souls. And we have to become people of Ihsan. We have to become people of Ihsan. In this day and age, we have to become people of Ihsan, people of excellence in our deen. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ أَفْلَحَ يُفْلِحُ إِفْلَاحَ Sorry, أَفْلَحَ قَدْ أَفْلَحَ The past tense, which the Muslim is, which is falah. Falah means success. حَيَّ عَلَى الْفَلَاحِ حَيَّ عَلَى الْفَلَاحِ When we call people in salah, حَيَّ عَلَى الْفَلَاحِ What does that mean? What does that mean? The scholars say falah is success after which there is no failure. Not just failure, after which there is not even a possibility of failure. There is not even a possibility of failure. If you look at this world, all the possible successes in this world, or all the successes in this world, are always followed by failure. Right? You might get a job, then there's always, then you'll lose that job. And if you don't lose it, the possibility of losing it is always there. Right? You get into a, you get into a top-notch Ivy League university, the problem, the, there's a very strong possibility that you'll have to leave that school at some point. Every success is followed by a failure or at least the potential for failure. You have a million dollars and you think, I've now become successful. But the possibility of going bankrupt is always there. So what kind of success is that? So falah, Allah, scholars say, is that success after which there is not the possibility of failure. 
And when will that success occur? In the hereafter. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places his servant into Jannah, places his servant into Jannah, there is no possibility of failure after that. You know, every possibility, every success in this world is the possibility of failure there, but ultimately everyone will die and whatever they had amassed in this world will then, it'll be a failure because then it will no longer be yours. In the day of, uh, in the hereafter, when all the people have been distributed into their particular places, whether it be Jahannam, whether it be Jannah, whether it be Jahannam, then even death itself will be slaughtered, telling the people that there's no possibility of failure anymore. And قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that true success, that true success is for that person that purifies his or herself. Is that person that purifies his or herself. وَآخِرَ دَعْوَانَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ